so many of you here this morning. If, we, if, um, if you're uh, here, if you're listening online uh, as well, we're glad that you're taking some time to put the, put the word into your, into your heart. Uh, we, if you weren't here last week, we started a series last week that I'm pretty excited about. I'm not sure how long it's going to go because part of that's going to depend on, on you uh, as, a, as a group as well. And we started um, this series called Got Questions. You know, the, the thought that so many people have these questions in life, and a lot of them remain unanswered. And so the goal of this series is that at the beginning, it'll be God questions. And hopefully by the end of this series, we can say God answers. You know, that there's something that you would have to share. I've been reading a book called Mere Christianity. Uh, it, rarely do I read books, and even more rare do I read them twice. Uh, and Mere Christianity is one that just has grabbed me. Uh, and C.S. Lewis is the author. And so a lot of stuff that I've been kind of pondering is coming from there. Uh, I've also been been watching the new Alpha course, which if you can check it out online, some just incredible thoughts there. And so some of the stuff you hear this morning, just inspired by those, um, by those places. Uh, the reason we did this series is twofold. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus here this morning. You, you love the Lord. Uh, but if somebody were to ask you, you know, hey, you really believe in that Jesus? You really believe in that, you know, heaven, hell stuff? You know, it's, it, and, and you'd be like, uh, yeah. And they're like, well, and they begin to ask you questions. And you're like, well, I, I don't really know what to answer. We had people, and we were saying last week, where one of, the, one of the guys who I'd been talking to had been asked by someone who was dying of a terminal disease, hey, man, do you know, like, is God going to let me into heaven? How, how can I get to heaven? And he was like, I had to change the subject. I had no idea what to tell him. To me, that's tragic. To me, that's something, uh, a good enough reason to spend some time looking at some of these things so that you have an answer for the hope that you have. And that's what Peter wrote to the early followers and said, be ready, be ready, be ready. And maybe this morning you're here and you're the one who has questions. You're not, you know, you're at a church building this morning, but you don't know if you believe anything that, that's uh, said here. You're like, I don't know about any of that stuff. And maybe you've got questions on the inside. Those questions deserve answers. So either way, we want to take a look at some of the bigger questions uh, in life over the next uh, number of weeks. Uh, and so as I was thinking and prepping for this morning, I, I read an old joke this week, and I know it's old, but it made me laugh again. I just want to share it with you. There is a, there's a burglar breaking into a house, and as he's uh, lifting the silverware, all of a sudden he hears this voice from the, from the room saying, you know, Jesus is watching you. And so he looks around, and he doesn't see anybody, and so he reaches for, you know, the, the fine china, and all of a sudden he hears his words again, Jesus is watching you. And, and he looks around, he doesn't see anybody, except he sees a parrot in a cage over on the side by the wall, and he's like, he can't be the parrot, but he walks over near the parrot, and he starts picking up some jewelry that's there, and the parrot, sure enough, says, Jesus is watching you. And the guy looks at the parrot and says, man, what, he says, what's your name, little birdie? And the parrot's like, Moses. He's like, what idiot names his parrot Moses? And the parrot replies with the same idiot who names his Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is watching you. Uh, so this idea of who do you think Jesus is, is the question that I, that I want to um, address this morning. There are lots of questions in the world, but this is the most important question that you could ask yourself, that someone could ask you, or that you could ask someone else is this. Who do you say that Jesus is? You know, it's interesting uh, how many people will talk around that question. This week, I had a guy over to, to measure up my house for new windows, and he had talked a little bit about, you know, that he was a person of faith, and so we began to talk, and, and I started asking him, you know, who do you think Jesus is? Because I'd been prepping, I thought, you know, I want to see what he says, and he starts like, he's like, I ask, you know, who, who do you believe Jesus to be, and, and I, you know, regardless of church or whatever, and he says, well, I have a question for you, and I was like, okay, and he says, you know, what do you think the seven horsemen in Revelation have to do with the seven continents? 
I'm like, there's only four horsemen, but I'm not going to correct you right now. You don't know you're in a pastor's house. But, you know, I'm like, why not just answer the question? But it was this thing, let's lead us off into some, you know, grounds of wherever uh, it will take us instead of talking about what's really important. It'll, be, it'll lead to those questions where people would rather, you know, ponder, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Then, you know, who is Jesus? For some, it's wondering, you know, the, the trumpets in Revelation, thinking, you know, how many of the trumpets have happened? Some believe that the seventh trump in Revelation is this guy. You know, and the end is coming because of, of him. You know, we hear, we hear the name Jesus a lot in our culture every single day. Uh, I was at the Jays game. Uh, my voice is a little sore. Half the time I was yelling for them, and then the other day I was yelling at them. Uh, but all around me, I heard people praying as every time somebody came up to bat, it was like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then when they would, you know, strike out or something, they would scream that name as if it was one of the players on the field. I'm looking, these people talk about Jesus so much, they must all be pastors up here. But I thought, you know, why do people use that name as a swear word. How come nobody's walking around going, oh, Buddha? I think we should start that. You know, or like, holy Krishna, or oh my Allah. Like, nobody says that stuff. Why is it always this thing about Jesus? Why is it that name? The only, you know, I was thinking, you know, I say nobody uses any other names, but then Adam Zandberg says, oh, Bob Saget, every time he's upset. So, you know, that one's okay too, but what is it about this name of Jesus? See, whether we know it or not, there's something polarizing about that name. There's something there that either instills this great love for or this strong feelings against, but there's something about the name of Jesus. And why would we start this whole series of questions with this one uh, particular thing of who is Jesus? Because Christianity hinges on this one question. Who do you say that Jesus is? In Matthew chapter 16, if you have your Bibles, just go to the, you know, kind of towards the back where the red letters start. There's a book uh, uh, called Matthew, which was some of the things that Matthew wrote down. And the Bible is full of these moments. You know, Jesus wandered around uh, Jerusalem and Israel with these group of followers, and he'd have conversations with them. And they would talk, and it'd be like you, you know, talking with your buddies. And then all of a sudden there was these moments where, that conversation was like, okay, we got to remember that. I don't know if you have that in your family, but in mine we do with our kids. Like there's things that they say and we're like, we got to write that down. We have got to remember that later. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were sitting down doing our family devotions and we're reading through the Old Testament and talking with our kids about how the, the Israelites followed God and then they would follow idols and then God would send a rescuer and help them to follow him again and then they were good and then they'd follow idols again. And, and so we were talking about Samson. We thought, what an amazing story Samson was. And, and so then later on, I get a text while I'm, while I'm away from home. Beth sends me a picture of my son Maddox's face, and he's angry. And uh, she, she says to me, she says, you know what? He just said to me, if you don't download an app on your phone for me, I'm going to bow down to an idol. And we're like, this child, you know, he's not quite getting out of the devotions what he should be, but we're writing that down, you know. Uh, somewhere down the road, we got to remember these kind of things, um, the, the things that the kids say. And the same, same thing happens here with Jesus as he's having these conversations. You know, we're like thinking, man, I can't believe Max said that. Got to write it down. The guys are hanging out with Jesus, and all of a sudden be like, did he just say what he said? Matthew, like, write this down. We got we to gotta remember this. This is like, this is crazy. And this is one of those things that happened. Jesus was in a place called Caesarea Philippi, which Caesarea Philippi is a real place. It's about 170 uh, miles away from Jerusalem. And this Caesarea Philippi was named after um, uh, Caesar Augustus, uh, who, was, who was known as the, the adopted son of a god. Julius Caesar, the very first Caesar, they thought he was like one of the gods. So there was all these gods. Julius Caesar was one. 
and his son was considered to be the son of the God. And so as they were talking and, and walking in that place, Jesus has this conversation with his followers. He says, when Jesus came to that region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And while they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them this question, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied and said, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And when Peter says, you're the Son of the living God, He's a good Jewish boy. He didn't believe that there was tons of gods. He said there's just one God, one creator. And he said, Jesus, I believe you are the, the Messiah. You're the son of that creator. And, and, and Peter said, you know, Jesus said to Peter, he says, you just heard the voice of God in your head. You didn't think that up on your own. God just revealed to you who I really am. And for some, you know, as we talk about in the 20th century, people would say, you know, how do we even know that conversation even happened? I don't know, you know, if I believe the whole Bible. I don't need, how do you even know that Jesus existed? There's a, a whole movement um, in, in uh, Scandinavia and other parts of, of the world that says that Jesus never even existed. And some hesitate to, to, to think about the fact that Jesus existed, maybe because it's hard to prove that scientifically. Science doesn't um, answer that question, or mathematically, it's hard to prove that Jesus existed. What if this was just something so many people wrote about, and that's why we believe, but it never actually happened? Nikki Gumbel from Alpha said it this way, and I loved it. He said, science answers some questions. It answers questions like what, what, and when, and maybe how. That's the questions it answers. It can't answer the other questions that Christianity answers. Christianity answers a complete set of different questions, like who and why. For instance, if I show you this picture of a cake this morning, science, and some of you are like, that's all you're going to think about from now on. It is pretty awesome. But science would be able to tell you, you know, what, what this cake was made of. It might be able to tell you how it was made. It would probably tell you when it was made. But only the creator of the cake is actually going to be able to tell you who made it and why they made it. And it's the same thing with us sometimes. We're looking for, for answers from different things. But the, the whole purpose of, of Christianity and Christ can only be answered by the creator. He's the only one who can tell us the reason why and, and who. And Jesus, he's the most famous person that's ever existed and ever lived. And, and some of us are like, well, I'm not sure about this whole existence thing. Well, and, and, you may, and the reason we're talking about that, you're like, why are you talking about that in church? Why are you talking about if Jesus existed? Because part of this is about the questions that others are going to ask you and challenge you with. See, I don't believe Jesus existed. Well, you can ask him this question. How many of you know this guy? Do you think this guy exists? Who's that? Just shout it out if you know. Some, <laughs> well, we're going to shout out appropriate things like Kanye West. Um, so, for those of you who know, how many believe Kanye exists? Yes, we agree. How about, how about this? Who knows who this is? <laughs> Bieber, you know his name, you believe he exists. Who's this guy, and it's not Nelson Mandela? Morgan Freeman, yes, and how about this? There you go, Saturday night got this. George Washington, you've never seen him before. There's a painting of him, and you know who that is. How about this? Now it's getting tough. King Henry VIII, incredible. How about this? Caesar, you're right, and this? King David, made by Michelangelo, correct. King David. You know, there's these people that we believe in 
None of these, you know, a lot of these people, well, probably all of them, I've never seen any of them in person, but I believe they exist. And how many of you have heard of Winston Churchill before? You may nod, and if you don't, just nod anyways, it'll feel better. Um, uh, Winston Churchill, we know of, of Winston Churchill, 20th century. How about Charles Dickens and Einstein? Charles Dickens wrote Oliver Twist and A Tale of Two Cities. You're like, oh yeah, I read those books. Yes, I know who that is. That's the 19th century. George Washington, you just, you just ID'd him by his painting. 18th century, William Shakespeare, ever heard of him? Romeo and Juliet, 17th century. Martin Luther, ever heard of him? Or Leonardo da Vinci, the famous painter? Yeah, those names ring a bell. 16th century, Johann Gutenberg, anybody know who that is? Printing press, there you go. People who made the, the guy who, who, who changed the way that we read and, and produce literature, 15th century. And for some of you, like, I wasn't sure. Well, that's, you know, 600 years ago. No wonder you didn't know. But for many of you, it's like, yeah, yeah, I do know that that person existed. First century, there's guys like Tacitus and Josephus who were historians that you'd study about in university. Julius Caesar, believe in him? Believe he existed? Yeah. How about Caesar Augustus? We just read about him. You believe he existed? You find him in all kinds of Roman things. How about Nero? Burned down his own city. Yeah, I've heard of these guys. Why do we believe that they all existed? There's evidence. There's evidence to back it up. Things have been written by them or about them. We haven't seen them, but there's evidence written by them and about them. The Bible's full of evidence about Jesus. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks because the Bible's an incredible, incredible book. But for some, you're like, I don't know about the Bible. But we believe that, that these people existed because of what was written about them or what was written by them. And we say this, we have the Bible. And sometimes we think the Bible, you think iPhone app or, or a book. But I want you to think scroll. I want you to think there's stuff that's come from, from antiquity that shows us that this man named Jesus existed. The Roman historian uh, Tacitus wrote uh, at that same period of time, 64 AD, where, you know, he's saying, well, I'm not sure about the Bible. If the Bible is the only thing that talks about Jesus, I don't know that I want to, uh, you know, I can't believe in that book. Well, here's what some of the things that were around at the same time. The Roman historian Tacitus said this, Nero fastened the guilt for burning down um, Rome on a class hated for their abominations. They were called Christians by the populace. Christus, from whom the name had its origin, he suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of Pontius Pilatus. Kind of sounds a little bit familiar, No. Christ suffered the extreme penalty at the hands of a man named Pontius Pilate? Huh, not in the Bible. This, this, is, from, this is from somewhere, somewhere else. He says, And a most mischievous superstition, thus checked for the moment, again broke out, not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in Rome. What do you think that superstition might have been? That a man rose from the dead, and they tried to quell that, and yet it kept rising up and ended up uh, uh, taking place in Rome as well. There's other writers. There's a man named Josephus. Jewish historian Pliny the Younger was a governor in Rome. Lucian was a Greek who wrote satire but mentioned these people called Christians. And the Babylonian Talmud, a document from the, between 200 and 500 A.D., all mentioned things about this man named Jesus. Uh, and so there's a guy named Michael Gleghorn. He did some of the legwork. And I just want to read to you his conclusion. He, you can, if you want to Google it, you can take a look. This is, this is his picture. Michael Gleghorn wrote this. He says, let's summarize what we've learned about Jesus from the examination of ancient non-Christian sources. For those, of you, for those who would question and say, I don't know if I believe the Bible to be the thing, he said this. First, both Josephus and Lucian indicate that Jesus was regarded as wise. Second, Pliny, the Talmud, and Lucian imply that he was powerful and a revered teacher. 
Third, both Josephus and the Talmud indicate that he performed miraculous feats. Fourth, Tacitus, Josephus, the Talmud, and Lucian all mention that he was crucified. Tacitus and Josephus say this occurred under Pontius Pilate. The Talmud declares it happened on the eve of the Passover. Fifth, there are possible references to the Christian belief in Jesus' resurrection in both Tacitus and Josephus. And sixth, Josephus records that Jesus' followers believe that he was the Christ or Messiah. And finally, both Pliny and Lucian indicate that Christians worship Jesus as God. All of these sources and all of these cases outside of what we may have known, outside provide these, some of these glimpses of evidence that this man, Jesus, existed. Well, who was he? Who was Jesus? So maybe people will say, you know, yeah, okay, I can believe that Jesus existed, but I don't believe that he was God. Have you ever heard that when you start talking with people? They're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I don't think he was God. Time Magazine said he was the most influential person who has ever lived. And we'd be many people would be okay with that. Yeah, he was an influential person. Some would say he was a good man, he was a good teacher, but I don't know about being savior of the world or God. Well, let's take a look at what Jesus said about himself. Jesus said this, that he was God. Jesus said he was God. He claimed that he could forgive sins because that's the thing that only God could do. It's one thing for me to forgive sins against me. Let's say my, you know, nephew uh, Clayton who's here, maybe he stole $500 from Aiden over there. And so I could say, you know, well, you know, Clayton, you are forgiven. And Aiden's be like, what? You know, he didn't steal the $500 from you. He stole it from me. But Jesus would go around forgiving people's sins that weren't even committed against him. Because he was saying, you know, all sins, all wrongs are in essence committed against, against me. And, and so he's saying, I can forgive all sin. And people were like, that's a head scratcher. And they, so they were like, you think you're God? And so they began to ask him. John chapter 10, John writes it down. When the people began to ask, it says this in verse 24 of chapter 10. The people surrounding him asked him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, just tell us plainly. And Jesus replied, I've already told you, but you don't believe me. The proof, the proof that I'm the Messiah, the proof that I am who I say I am is in the work that I do in my Father's name. And he begins to talk about the miracles that he's done. Verse 31 says, once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. And Jesus said, at my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one of these works are you going to stone me? And they replied, we're not stoning you for any good works, but for blasphemy. We're stoning you because you're a mere man and you claim to be God. Jesus claimed to be God, even his disciples found that difficult, and they asked him, saying, you know what, we know you're the Son of God, but show us the Father, and then we'll be convinced, and Jesus replied to them in John 14, verse 9, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show him to you, these are astonishing claims for someone to make, just take a look around this morning, just picture one person in this place, whoever it might be, take a look, your spouse, the person sitting beside you, I just want you to see a real person, Okay, just look at me then, all right? So, fine, we'll do it that way. Uh, I, want you to picture, I want you to picture this. What if that person that's in your mind or that you just looked at all of a sudden walked in here and said, hey, I'm God? <laughs> what would you do? You'd be like, okay, somebody forgot their medication this morning, right? Like, this is not, this does not line up. Like, nobody's, nobody's got... What makes us think that the response would have been any different back then? You'd be like, well, you got to prove that you're God. you gotta, you got to prove this claim. And here's the thoughts. If Jesus, what he said was true, if he, you know, or, or I should say if it was not true, if Jesus wasn't God and 
you know, and he knew he wasn't God. He was just fooling people. Well, then he's a liar and a fraud. If it wasn't true that Jesus was God and he didn't know, well, then he's just deluded. He's just forgot his medication that day. But then there leaves only one other option. What if it was true? And if it is true, that means he is God. And there's enough other thoughts of proof in that. For instance, the teaching. Jesus was not like any other teacher. For some would say, oh, he's just a good teacher. No good teacher back then said, hey, you know, come to me, follow me. They always said, hey, you know, look to God, look to God. But Jesus was like, no, look to me, follow me. His teaching was all about himself. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. You know, we have a picture so that you can believe that it existed and happened right there. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus said things like, love your neighbor, love your enemies, do unto others as they've done unto you. If Jesus' teachings from then, they've impacted the laws that we have today. We got a lot of women sitting in this place. Do you realize that before the time of Christ, you were property? It's because of Jesus and what his teaching was that said women have value and they are equal. And we're like, uh, I didn't know that. You know, the thing, the, the thoughts, none of the women want to go back to that stage. I won't ask the men about what their thoughts are. This idea of, of, of how it's affected us. Do you realize that we've, we've, um, we've uh, gotten better in so many different things since the time of Christ? Nobody rode donkeys here today. You got way more horsepower in the parking lot than that. We've improved. We've improved on communication to the point where everybody carries a communication device with them and they can send instant communication back and forth. We've improved and improved and improved. Do you know that nobody's ever improved on what Jesus taught as far as morals go on the Sermon on the Mount? No one's ever said, you know, yeah, Jesus had some good thoughts there, but we're going to level that one up. No one's ever been able to level up these things of love your neighbor, love your enemy. Not, none of that. It's actually what we would expect God to tell us about morality and about how things go. His character, the character of Jesus, was, um, was defined in incredible ways through the Bible and through his teaching. C.S. Lewis said this, for those who would want to say that he's, a, he's a, just a good teacher, he says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be um, a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. Let's not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. When people begin to say, ah, I think Jesus was just a good teacher, you have that thought to say, you know what, that's not actually true. No one would say that. He's more than that. The Bible points to Jesus, and 300 prophecies were fulfilled by this man. You don't get to choose. You know, some people are like, oh, you know, maybe he just chose to fulfill them. How do you choose where you were born? Nobody got to choose that. He would have had to chose how he died, where he was buried, and what day he was going to rise from the dead. Nobody's able to do that. And yet 300 times he, he um, fulfilled prophecy. When he was hanging on a cross, his character just shone through. You know, they say that people are like oranges. You find out what's inside when you squeeze them. You know, when people go through difficult times, that's when you find out what they're really like. You know, your friend's awesome until they go through a tough time, and then they're like, whoa. You know, or women are amazing until they get married, and then they're like bridezilla, right? Like, you find out what's, like, really inside these different people. In those moments of pressure, and Jesus, in the incredible moment of pressure on the cross, said these words, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. How many of us would be in that same spot? We wouldn't. We wouldn't. 
It's like, you know, if people are like, hey, Jesus was just some popular rock star type guy. G.K. Chesterton said this, if Christ was simply a human character, he really was a highly complex and contradictory human character. For he combined exactly the two things that lie at the two extremes of human variation. He was exactly what the man with a delusion never is. He was exactly what the man with a delusion never is. He was wise and he was a good judge. We look at our rock stars today and they make the dumbest decisions. You know, that it's all about them. And he said this, what he said was always unexpected, but it was always unexpectedly magnanimous and often unexpectedly moderate. He wasn't the one who was like, I'm a superstar, superstar. I want everything to be about me. He was always that idea of, I'm all about you. The physical resurrection of Jesus Again, proof that he was a God, and it all hinges on this fact. We're going to take, take some time in the next couple of weeks to talk about, did Jesus really rise from the dead? But here's a couple quick thoughts. There's an empty tomb that proves that he rose from the dead, and no one's been able to really say with any good, um, good authority of why that empty tomb existed. Some would be like, well, you know, robbers stole the body. Well, the funny thing is that when robbers stole the body, they left the only thing in the tomb that was worth anything, the grave clothes. They took off. Who takes time to go and unwrap the body, take the body, and leave the only thing worth something? Dumb robbers. You know, the, the terrified disciples, would they have gone and taken on a, 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 a group of Roman soldiers just to try and steal a body? Not likely. They were terrified and in hiding. You know, the, the presence of Jesus with his disciples after he had died, it says he was seen by 500 at one time. As we're studying Acts as a church in our Monday night Bible study, it talks about how he appeared to them after he died with convincing proofs. They weren't, they weren't guessing. They're were like, whoa, that's proof. And they began to write these things down. We saw Jesus. We saw Jesus alive. You know, the other thing is it transformed their lives. Here was guys who are like, He's the Messiah, he's the Messiah, he's the Messiah as he's alive. And then Jesus dies. And like, he's not the Messiah. He wasn't the Messiah. The Messiah is not supposed to die. How could he possibly be the Messiah? We better get out of here or we're next on the chopping block. And they all go and hide until something happens. All these cowards in hiding. Something happens to them that totally changes them. They see Jesus risen from the dead. And all of a sudden, they're boldly preaching everywhere. And they don't even care. And 11 out of 12 of them died a torturous death. Why? How many of you would die for a lie you made up? Uh, I don't know. That, for some would say, well, I might. I just don't want my parents to know I would be willing to die for a lie. How many of you could convince 11 others to die for that same lie? Uh, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense other than that he was who he says he is. And you know what? There's lives transformed today. So the question comes back to this. It doesn't matter. It's all of that is just evidence to help you and help others get to a place. But who do you say that Jesus is? That's the question of this morning. Bono, the lead singer of U2, said it's a defining question for Christians. Who was Christ? I don't think you're let off easily by saying he was a great, um, a great thinker or a great philosopher. Because actually, he went around saying he was the Messiah. And that's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was nuts. And I find it hard to accept that millions of lives, half the earth, for 2,000 years, have been touched and have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. You know, that's, that's those thoughts that, like, how is it possible that all of these people's lives have been affected in a positive way by this, this one person? Other than that, he was who he said he was. But it didn't matter. Jesus knew he was God. But when he was talking with Peter and the disciples, that wasn't the question. He wasn't like, hey, guys, who do you think that I think that I am? He was like... Who do others say that I am, and 
Who do you say that I am? And this morning, the question is for each and every one of us. Who do you say that Jesus is? Maybe you'd answer, well, you know, you hear the answer is a great teacher. Well, we say that's not possible. With the things he said, he wasn't a great teacher. Was he a good man? Well, he's not a good man if he was lying to everybody around him. He's more than just a good man. Was he God? <laughs> he, that is the strongest possible option in this whole thought. When you actually begin to think about the answer to that question, the truth is this. God, the creator, revealed himself through this man named Jesus. That is the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the truth. That's the truth that our world needs to hear. And I don't know about you, but have you ever been in that place where you share, you know, a little bit about faith and people are like, ah, you know, that's good for you, but not for me. Ah, that's good for you, but not for me. Have you ever thought of how illogical that statement is? <laughs> Think about this, for instance. That's good for you, but not for me. So if it's true, and somebody says to you, you know, that's good for you. Well, if it's true, then it's good for everyone. The truth is good for everyone. But if he says, you know, that's, that's good for you and, and, and not for me. Well, if it's fake, it's not true, then it's not good for me. That'd be like saying, yeah, you know, poison's good for you, but not for me. You should be trying to stop me. But the fact is that statement doesn't make any sense. It's not a logical view. And, and the, the, the thought is this, that, that the truth is that God revealed himself through Jesus and has given us the opportunity to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Putting our faith in Christ, I would describe it like having laser surgery. A number of years ago, I had laser surgery done on my eyes. And I remember driving to the appointment, and it was just a normal, every other, same as every other day. You know, I'm driving, I see what I see. We get in there, they cut my eye open, they laser some whatever in there, and then close it back up, and they give me the Bono glasses to wear home for a week so I don't rub my eyes. And as I left that place, my mom was driving. I looked down, I was like, Mom, the trees have like twigs at the end of the branches. And she's like, yeah, they always have. I'm like, I never saw that before. Like, I'm like looking, I'm down the road. I'm like, Mom, can you read the words on that sign? And she's like, yeah, I read them like 50 feet ago. And I'm like, I can't believe that those signs, actually those green signs on the road have words on them. And she's like, how did you not, you know, see this? But it was like all of a sudden I saw my whole world differently. Do you know that putting faith in Jesus Christ gives that same response? It's like you all of a sudden see the world differently. By trusting in Jesus, it's like, how can that make any difference? It's like that. You begin to see God differently. You see the world differently. Purpose happens in your life. You realize that the things that don't make sense in this world all of a sudden start to become a little clear because you see them that way. It's because you know the truth. And when Jesus said, I'm the truth, that word wasn't like, hey, know the facts. It was know the truth by experiencing it. Experiencing truth, not just knowing truth. This morning, we gave you a whole bunch of facts and thoughts. But knowing facts and thoughts is totally different than knowing someone. You know, for instance, many of you know I'm married to an amazing woman named Beth. And, you know, I don't know if you know how I found her, but I went to AmazingWoman.com uh, one day, and all of a sudden there was her picture. And, but just go with me. What if that happened? What if I went to AmazingWoman.com, and there was a picture of Beth? And there's all these links. I'm like, wow, she's good looking. I'll click this link. It was like, wow, she cooks. Look at the amazing food she cooks. I click the next one. She's like, wow, she cleans and like she's, she's a great homemaker. I click the next one. She's an incredible mother. Wow. I click the next one. She's, you know, she's like incredibly generous and compassionate. I click the next link. It's like, man, she's got like a heart for the world and for, for, for other people. Like this woman is amazing. You know, all of you could have clicked on those links and experienced that and said, wow, you know, that's, I know all those things about Beth and you do. But now that I'm married to her, 
I know those things in, 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 a, in a way by experience. I've gotten to see and experience all of those things in a completely different way. And it's the same thing with Jesus. Too many people sit in church every weekend learning facts about Jesus and learning things. And that's not the point about today. The thought is that you could know him. To know him personally by putting your faith in him. That if Jesus, if Jesus is who he says he is, then he died for you. If Jesus is who he says he is, then he is alive today. He's alive and he loves, he loves you. For God so loved the world. He's calling you to leave the life of you know, desperation behind and say, you know what, I will, I'll follow you, Jesus. If it's true, he's the king of kings and lord of lords and deserves all of our worship. And, and the fact is that you can know him for yourself. He's worthy of giving our best. So if you're here this morning, you're like, you know what, I'm not sure what I believe about Jesus. But after today, you're like, huh, you know, I do believe that he existed. I do believe that, you know, he, he was God. That you could say, you know what, God, based on that, I want to follow you. Wherever that takes us, I, I'm in. Just lead my life. Take my life. And it's amazing where we'll head. And the last thought is this, for the followers of Jesus here. Because I know there's a lot of you here this morning. Followers of Jesus, genuine people who love the Lord. But it's more than claiming that Jesus is who he says he is. It's more than just saying, yeah, I believe that Jesus existed. Yeah, I believe that Jesus was God. I believe he raised, rose from the dead. It's more than that. It's the idea if that's true, that should change our lives. It should change us to the core. It's allowing him to be master of our lives. Master of our lives. Brennan Manning said this, The single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and then deny him by their lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. That if Jesus is God and we believe that to be true, that that should affect our lives in such a huge way. But we have too many, too often, especially in our culture, where it's like, yeah, I, I'll just believe that, but it's, it's at a distance. And he's like, I want you to experience and know it. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, our last verse today says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? Lord, not that Jesus existed, not that Jesus was a real person, not that whatever, but that Jesus was Lord, that he's God, that he's master. And it says, and believe where? In your heart, not just in your head, but it, putting your faith in him. It says this, if you believe that, that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God, what? Raised him from the dead. That a man was truly raised from the dead. He says, you'll be saved. And it says in verse 10, for it's by believing with your heart that you're made right with God. It's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. It is this thought of from here that it affects every part of you. People may say many things about who Jesus is. And Jesus knew that back then. People around you. Who do, the, who do people around you say that Jesus is? Who do the people that are in your family and in your workplace, who do they think Jesus is? And maybe like, well, I don't know. Part of the idea of got questions is also so that you have questions to ask because that's the most important question you could ask people. And my last thought is this. Who do you say that Jesus is? Really? Who do you say that Jesus is? Really? That question deserves an answer. You, des you owe it to yourself to answer that question today. Who do I really say that Jesus is? We gave you some thoughts this morning, but I hope it just stirs up those thoughts of, I have to know. I've got to know that I know. And I encourage you to, to take, take some time to, to think about those things. And if you've put faith in Jesus Christ, to put life in Jesus Christ, to do life with Christ, allow that. And, and you know, one thing that happens when Christ is in your life is you begin to care about what other people around you think about Jesus.
Because he's called you to be the light that shines. He's called you to be the salt of the earth wherever you are that people may come to know who Jesus really is. Today is kind of like school, you know, finding a bunch of these things. So the next time you ask that question, you've got answers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's still here, that we can read it and that it's been preserved for us to be able to learn. Thank you, Father, that uh, it still changes our lives today. Jesus, thank you for changing my life. I would not be who I am without you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Father, I pray that this week that people would come across opportunities to talk to other people about you. I pray that that would lead to others coming to know you in a real way. And I know the joy that comes in our hearts as a result of that. I pray that each and every person here would have the chance to experience that. For those in this place, Lord, that are kind of not sure of what they really believe, Holy Spirit, would you... Done what I've done my best. I pray that their hearts would be open to hear your voice on the inside, just confirming that to them that you are who you say you are, and that you love them, and you can save, save them. You can uh, take their life and make it something beautiful. God, I pray that they're able to put their faith in you. Thank you for the chance to go out and shine this week. We want to do that in your name and with you and for you. We pray. Amen.